0: Go, go, Geek Top 5. Yay! (laughs) I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And it's a new year and five cool things happened to kick it off. We're going to tell you exactly what they were. Number five, um, some Green Lantern news, which is great because, you know, like, if you try to do something and nobody likes it, why do we fall, Bruce?
1: (laughs) Pick ourselves back up again.
0: Green Lantern was a terrible movie and because it was a terrible movie, they decided, let's do that again.
1: Alright, now, before we get into it, I haven't actually seen the first Green Lantern movie. Have you seen the first movie? I Green watched Lantern? the first Green Lantern really? movie. Really? So you're saying flat out terrible.
0: Well, you know what? Go for, like, No surprise, Ryan Reynolds was delightful in it. Yeah. Um, but it was just such a bizarre project. Um, like, I mean, everyone talks about the CGI in it. It was bad, and it was really bad. We're talking, like, Attack of the Clones, Samuel L. Jackson alone in a green room bad.
1: It did seem um, like they were overloading every frame with CGI. Oh,
0: tremendously. But also, like, the script was it, it just awful. And the stuff that had... And they confused Sinestro and Parallax, and just ah. nothing about it was any good. It's, okay. Um, anyway, uh, just, it came out in... two, in two was it, 2011, I think? 2011, yeah. Um, wasn't that great. It I think it made its money back, but... Just, just barely? Just barely, yeah. That was the movie they wanted to launch their shared universe on, and it didn't work. So they passed aside, but now the news is they're going to give it another shot.
1: Yeah, even to the point where uh, a casting sheet, or rumors of a casting sheet went around, and one of the names on the sheet as a possible actor to play Hal Jordan was Ryan Reynolds.
0: <laughs> Which yeah. is just... Perfect in a way. I mean, I, you know, most people have heard about that movie from Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool where he makes fun of Green Lantern Yeah, because of what a
1: crap show it was. But there, But you know what? He was great and he really fits the character of Hal Jordan. I guess so. I, I think, you know, he works really well as Deadpool, to my mind, because he's a sarcastic smartass, uh, whereas Hal Jordan has some, like, funniness to him. He's got a bit of an edge to him, but he's, you know, he's a pilot. He's an upstanding guy. He's a military guy, you know. He's 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 a bit more of a, a straight shooter than, than I think Ryan Reynolds is usually good at playing. Well,
0: it's certainly not as he likes to portray himself as, but, I mean, there is acting. You know I where know, you pretend to be something you're not.
1: But I feel like every time I've seen him in something where he's not a wise ass, he's just missing something. This, mm. I don't I don't buy the performance as much. Some of the other names that are on this uh, roster are Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Joel McHale from Community uh, and The Soup on on E, Bradley Cooper, Army Hammer who played the Lone Ranger, and somewhat. That Like, one of these things is not like the other. The other name on the list is Tom Cruise. Huh. Yeah, so going from all these sort of young Hollywood types in their 30s to Tom Cruise, who's in his 50s, you know, there's something... That, that could be an interesting movie, but I feel like it would be a much different movie than if you have Ryan Reynolds playing him.
0: Yeah. Now, all these names are being considered. This is all yeah. still very early. Definitely still at the point where this might not happen, which... I, You know, I'm, that's kind of the direction I would lean in. Uh, one of the things that did catch my eye, though, is that it doesn't necessarily have to be a Hal Jordan story, because they're also talking about putting Jon Stewart in it.
1: Yeah, one of the things I've read is that it's uh, it's going to be like a buddy cop thing in space, you know, lethal weapon in space with Hal Jordan and John Stewart. John Stewart being the uh, uh, young black man who who takes over for Green Lantern at one point when Hal Jordan's busy doing other stuff. It became sort of a trend where there'd be these other Green Lanterns from Earth that would take on the role. I think bringing John Stewart into it is the right way to go because that's what a lot of people grew up with, and he's he's a popular character.
0: He's certainly the, like the more interesting one, I think. John, like whenever there's something cool happening in the DCU universe like John Stewart is the Green Lantern who's dealing with it yeah and I like his ring creations better
1: well it's... yeah when, when a really good artist is doing it who who uses the character's personalities to depict how they're using their ring that's the best
0: yeah and so Hal Jordan because he's an Air Force guy it's always like he uses the ring and makes like a plane yeah. or a bomb or whatever but John Stewart's an architect and so I mean there's, there's the usual stuff you'd expect like tools and stuff but there's all this I don't know how else to put it. Like detail, when yeah. it's
1: done right, you can like see all the component parts of what it's he's making.
0: Yeah, he makes cooler stuff with his yeah. ring. I mean, that's just it's it's so much more interesting to me. Um, either way, like this is still way, way, way off because they, they, I feel like DC is sort of like living like the way most people live, paycheck to paycheck, the living movie to movie, yeah, trying to figure out what works.
1: It, it, Everything seems to be a roll of the dice, and we'll see what works this time. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know if Green Lantern is the way to go, but if they're going to do it, Green Lan- its they're calling it Green Lantern Corps, Can have more than one lantern. Maybe you're right. Maybe that fits in with your, like, like, let's do it in space. Let's do it not separate from the DC guys. Let's have more people.
1: And the other thing, the other bit of news we have is that they've got a couple of writers on it. There's uh, a new guy named Justin Rhodes who... Doesn't really have many big-name credits right now, but this would certainly send him into the stratosphere. And uh, the other one is uh, David Goyer, who has a checkered past, you know? He wrote the Dark Knight Batman movies with Christopher Nolan. He was the main writer on those. Uh, He also wrote uh, Blade 1 and Blade 2. He also wrote and directed Blade 3. Yeah. He also wrote... Man of Steel, and uh, I think Batman vs. Superman, so a lot of uh, pluses and minuses on that one. Hey, hey,
0: Jonathan Frakes directed First Contact, and he also directed Insurrection. I mean, you know. I guess so. Moving on to our number four, uh, Good Omens, occasionally subtitled The Nice and Accurate Prophecies of Agnes Nutter Witch, is one of the most enjoyable books that you've never read. Co-authored by Neil Gaiman, American Gods, Neverwhere, and Terry Pratchett, who does all the Discworld stuff. Um, it's a hilarious, heartwarming, sort of biblically-themed adventure, and there's been always been talk about making it a movie or doing something with it. It never really went anywhere. It never got funding. Neil Gaiman announced that they're looking to do a six-part adaptation. Um, Amazon wants to do it, but they're working with BBC Studios to do it. Yeah. And that's... Ah, another, like, it's really, you need to go read this book and then come back and we can jump up and down and hold each other's hands and talk about what great news this
1: is. This is one of the interesting things about the, the current media market where there are so many avenues to get things made and there's so many content generators who are just desperate for content that they're taking stuff that has been in the works for years and finally getting it made. You know, this is we we probably talked about this when we had a radio show when Terry Gilliam was attached to direct a version of it. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it just never got off the ground. I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened with it.
1: I don't know. One of my favorite quotes in reading this, uh, Terry Pratchett, who has unfortunately passed away, but at at one point he said that uh, Neil Gaiman and he have have different views on on, uh, these multimedia productions of their work. Uh, Neil Gaiman doesn't believe it's going to happen until he's sitting in the theater with a a bucket of popcorn ready to watch it. Terry Pratchett doesn't believe it's going to (laughs) happen.
0: Men after our own hearts. Yeah. Yeah. So you're thinking, well, that sounds interesting. What's that book about? Um, Good Omens is a story where it's the end of days in a very traditional you know, Christian heaven and hell environment, um, and we focus on an angel and a demon, Aziraphale and Crowley, who have been living on Earth and sort of like sort of their equivalent of the Cold War, like the way you'd see like a Russian spy and an American spy in a movie. They, you know, the Heaven spy and the Devil spy, but they've both been doing this for so long that they've kind of gotten into a routine and gotten very comfortable on Earth. So they decide to see what they can do to sort of prevent the end of days, but unfortunately they've kind of misplaced the Antichrist. <laughs> and if either one of their bosses finds out, there's gonna be a hell and or heaven to pay. <laughs> and it's just hilarious. And we follow these characters with their very dry, wry, very English. You know, ob- observations of humanity, along with a supporting cast of these nut job human characters,
1: and they also have the four horse people of the apocalypse. Mm, yeah, right? but,
0: yeah, the, who are you know the, a, a modern take on the four horse people of the apocalypse. <laughs> but the, they're the they're the four bikers of the apocalypse at one point. Um, and uh, there's a couple different subplots. Another one of the subplots follows the Antichrist, who at this point is an eleven year old boy who has no idea, right? But is just. I, anyway, it's, listen, just go read the book. It's a riot. And I mean, it's come up before, like, if, if you're the kind of person who follows this thing onto the internet, if they're going to cast anyone besides Tom Hiddleston and Benedict Cumberbatch as Fail and Crowley, they're making a huge mistake. Can they afford them? Wow. Probably not.
1: That would be beautiful casting. But
0: that is so ideal. Yeah. It, it, it is beyond what we can
1: convey in mere human English. So the plan is to have this come out in 2018. So we got we got a while ways to wait for this thing. But in the meantime, another Neil Gaiman production, uh, American Gods, that's on its way this year. So if you're a Neil Gaiman fan, it's get, a good year yeah, to that. be a
0: Neil Gaiman fan. And I'm sure they're going to be looking at the reaction to American Gods while they're building this. It's it's I mean, you know the difference between airing something on Stars and a BBC production like it's it's a very different beast, but yeah. they're going to want to see how people react.
1: Uh, I, I, where I have a bit of a concern is I don't think Amazon, as a content generator, has had a great track record. Like there's Netflix. You talk about Netflix, and, and you start listing all these huge successes they've had, and Amazon doesn't quite have that same cachet, at least not yet. Maybe this will do it, but uh, I'm a little leery yeah. of that. I feel like this is they want this to
0: be their flagship. Like I hope so. like the way CBS wants you to sign up for their thing because of Star Trek. Yeah, I think Amazon's going to say, "Come you, like come watch stuff on Amazon. We have good omens."
1: Right. With Neil Gaiman. Like, unfortunately, it's only a six episode miniseries. So it's, if they don't have other stuff well, coming,
0: well, if it's the BBC, each of those episodes is going to be like two hours and twenty four <laughs> minutes long, right? So fair
1: enough. <laughs> fair enough.
0: <laughs> However, I don't know if there are any rules for how they make things over there. They right. just film until they're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds great. And really, go read this book. It's phenomenal. Number three, uh, another couple of great movie trailers. It, uh, it's it been a good... A few of our episodes in a row, there have been movie trailers we're very excited by. Yeah.
1: These ones, uh, well, let, let's start with Power Rangers.
0: Yeah. So we saw that first Power Rangers trailer we reported on Way Back When, and... Weird tone, weird tone. Um, Mm -hmm. It was set up so that you didn't even realize it was a Power Rangers trailer until the end. It started looking like it was the Breakfast Club. Right. Like, you know, angsty teenagers who feel put upon by society. They're stuck in detention. Yeah, Yeah. but they're each a unique person, deep down, they have a unique and valuable personality. But then they find these magic coins and get super strong, and now they're going to fight aliens.
1: yeah. I mean it was it was
0: weird it was gritty it wasn't what we were they threw all that out for this trailer <laughs> this trailer was the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. If this had aired back in the, the 90s when we were watching Power Rangers, it would have fit right in.
1: Yes, I mean, there's the whole uh, peeing in the cup scene when, uh, I think it's Trini, the Yellow Ranger, is describing her super strength to her little brothers right, and then her but, guardian. But a lot of yeah. the trailer
0: is the suits and the zords and the alien and Rita Repulsa, who I still hate the character design for, but we'll give her a chance.
1: I mean... It's better than the yeah, I guess it's not like. Yeah, it's not
0: like I'm terrible, But just give her the horns.
1: Man, I just. I'd put her in a brown sack? I didn't say the brown sack.
0: <laughs> but the horns were pretty distinct. I guess so, yeah. Uh, uh, either way, what we saw was a very silly very just like very lighthearted trailer.
1: There's still there's still a certain amount of realism to it and then it's immediately juxtaposed by them posing in their suits. So again, I find the tone hard to get a grip on here. Even within this one trailer, it sort of waffled. And and it was more on the funny side, more on the silly side, yeah. but there still was a certain amount of of like they want to be taken seriously, I think. Like I think they want this to be in a, a Marvel movie style of, of, like, franchise building.
0: But it's important to remember their target audience is eight. Yes. And that's the key. And, and that's what, like, yeah, looking at this, like, you know, as, a, as a distinguished and educated person on the, what's interesting in film and the media, like, it was a stupid trailer.
1: Yes, yeah. But
0: looking at it from the perspective of an eight-year-old, Who wants to find an alien coin and morph into his suit and jump into a robot dinosaur? It looked great!
1: (laughs) Okay, I still have a couple, like two big-ish problems with it. I've got at least two. Okay, I still hate the fact that they have powers outside of the suits.
0: Yeah, and you, I mean, am I crazy? Because I know they did karate when they were outside the suits in the old show, but they weren't. Like, even when they were in the suits, they weren't necessarily super strong. Yeah,
1: in this, they're, like, smashing sinks and breaking walls
0: and jumping. There's the superhero movie stereotype where he looks in the mirror, he's like, wow, I have an 8-pack all of a sudden. It's like, okay, yeah, no, I have wish fulfillment fantasies, too, but (laughs) come on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I never really saw that as a major part of the, the tv series no having them be super strong like the whole point was they're really good at karate and then they get these suits but i mean that that because they have the the powers and stuff normally what is the benefit of the morphing time that happens? like they say morphing time and then they've got suits on and then what like like how does that like it's this big armored suit that looks really weird and alieny but why yeah what does it do yeah it looks cool and, uh, and
0: cool AI yeah, is relative. Cool. I think a lot of us really prefer the simpler aesthetic of yeah. the 90s Power Ranger suits. Yeah. Um, what's your second one?
1: My second one was Goldar.
0: Oh, so uh, well, okay,
1: yeah. Goldar was Rita Repulse's henchman. I think he also ended up being Lord Zed's henchman, which is about as far as I got in the series. <laughs> but uh, he was this you know, lion-faced, winged creature in a gold suit. He was, like, a terrible costume, but he was kind of cool and kind of intimidating. I still have fond memories of the time that Jason, the Red Ranger, got trapped in a room with them and they had to have an intense sword fight. But this Goldar seems to be just a giant gold monster thing that has no personality. All we see in the trailer is a kaiju. It's a, yeah. And it's like a CG disaster. Yeah, it didn't look great.
0: Um, But again if he was small then you'd have to have a movie realistic scene where Rita repulses his you know make my monster grow <laughs> <laughs> and they do that trick like and they pull out with the camera and then they cut to him like looking really t- and, like walking through the model of the city if
1: you want to do power rangers you have to do power rangers that's part of power rangers
0: yeah. no those things bugged me too i also i didn't like the megazord i think it looks too much like a bayformer okay. maybe it's a reflection of the way like the suits too like everything looks overcomplicated I- yeah if you're going to put your tongue in your cheek, put it all the way in there. Yeah. But, again, the target audience is eight.
1: So, the other trailer that came out was the second and final trailer for Logan.
0: We'll see about final. That's but, what I've
1: been reading is final, but, yeah. it's, I mean, I'm sure there'll be plenty of TV spots that come up.
0: Uh, but that is the opposite of silly. Yeah. Man, the the first, like, when we saw the first Logan trailer, we sort of got the impression that Wolverine was going to be, like, you know, raising and protecting this little girl. No. No, no. <laughs> no. If anything, it might be the other way around. Yeah. She, he's, like, she's feral yeah. in this trailer. What we see in this trailer is how X-23 is going to be portrayed in the movie. And she is going to be portrayed as a very troubled young woman who can fight like Wolverine. Yeah. Like, we see the claws. We see her, like, flying through the air. Like, yeah. the very classic Wolverine bros.
1: She's got, you know, as with the, the, the comic book version, just the two claws coming out of her hand potential spoiler warning, yeah. the third claw comes out of her feet.
0: Which, I mean, I'm sure is going to be a reveal during the movie. Yeah. Someone's going to like have her arms pinned, like, what are you going to do now, little girl? And yeah. then it'll come out of the front of her boot. And go, oh! <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we see her like, like tear a guy's throat out with the claws, yeah. and like, like, this is a, a... Don't take your kids to see this movie, please. <laughs> please,
1: no. Do not do that. I
0: did think it was a little weird. They mentioned that she reads X-Men comics.
1: That was a little weird. A little, a little too meta. I mean... I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm sure it's explained a bit more in the movie. But why? To what, what purpose could that possibly serve? I mean, there is uh, there is a, a trope in the comic books of comic books existing. Like, like there's a Fantastic Four issue where they meet Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. At one point, Captain America, in his secret identity of Steve Rogers, drew the Captain America comic book.
0: Right, which I think works in a comic environment, but like the tone they're setting for Logan... Like, you open with depression and Johnny Cash? Like, that's not a... a uni- like, that doesn't feel like a universe that's going to lend itself to a nod and a wink.
1: I'm I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt, but I hear ya. It, it was a bit of a, a head-scratcher when I first saw it, in the, the the first mm-hmm. time I watched the trailer. And I don't understand what that establishes about the character. Well, I think it establishes that... Uh, that all their exploits as X-Men have now become myth. Like, the X-Men are gone, That all they exist as is a comic book. And Mm. he's left with the, like, oh, it didn't happen like that. They've made it, you know, into this garish costumed monstrosity, and that's not how it was, and they're all dead, and it's my fault, maybe.
0: Maybe. Maybe. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, one of the things that I really loved about it was uh, Wolverine cutting loose in a way that I... That, that was really reminiscent of the scene in X-Men 2 when the, all those invaders come into the mansion and yeah. Wolverine's the only one there and he just obliterates them. It looked like that, except then a little girl Wolverine jumps over his back and joins the fray and I was just like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah,
0: well even the first, like that reveal, like like Wolverine apparently, like he isn't fighting back against these soldiers yeah. and then she tears them apart and he's watching from like behind the car. Holy! Like, if you watch the UK one that has swearing, yeah, not the one we linked, but you can find the slightly extended one. Was crazy. Holy f! Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 really cool. Like, I mean, the relationship between the two of them is going to be fantastic to watch because mm-hmm. she is going to be a little girl version of what he was at his worst. Yeah, and now he's gone through this whole like X Men process where he's learned to be a better person. And then apparently lost it a little again. And now he's going to be forced into this fatherhood role. Like, that sounds... I could just watch that. Like, I could watch the no-violence, you know, kind of, like, snobby film version of that. The fact that they're pairing it with this serious, hardcore... Like, okay, I'm in. I'm in. Can I buy my tickets now,
1: please? And we haven't even talked about the, the extra old uh, Professor Xavier <laughs> yeah. doing, joining along. Uh, he looks great. I mean, they've done some... Weird to say they had to put old age makeup on yeah, Patrick Stewart. On Patrick Stewart. His hair again?
0: I mean, because... But okay, whatever.
1: Wispy or whatever. But he he looks cool in the UK version. He gets to throw he, out a swear word gets or two. He to swear.
0: Yeah having, professor, yeah, having Charles Xavier swear is a fun yeah. thing to do with that character. And there's nothing in this world that doesn't get improved with the addition of Patrick Stewart. So Very true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Moving right along, number two on our list: Star Trek Discovery. Watch the uh, so good news and bad news. Some might say good news and good news, but go on. Okay. Uh, so we'll, we've so we have another character introduced,
1: but not really introduced because we know this character. Sarek is going to be in Star Trek Discovery. Sarek is Spock's father. He's been on involved in Star Trek basically since the first season.
0: Yeah, he's. If Star Trek had a Yoda, it would be Sarek.
1: Yeah, but he he's in his first appearance, he's kind of a jerk. Like, he and Spock don't get along. And, and Yoda's is first
0: appearance, he's kind of a...
1: Yoda's first appearance, he's amazing. He's adorable. <laughs> Still. <laughs> you cannot call Sarek adorable.
0: No, he's not adorable. Um, Ambassador Sarek, he was in the original series. He was in Next Generation. A bunch of the movies. A bunch of the movies. Putting Sarek in does a really interesting bit of grounding. Because he is sort of a constant throughout all of Star Trek. He's it's difficult to say that he's sort of the moral center because he's not. He's been wrong on occasion. He has a fraught relationship with Spock because of his decision to go to Starfleet and even because of the, the half-human thing. Yeah. It's, you know, there's, there's tension there. He It gets resolved later in Next Generation because he mind melds with Picard. If Picard passes, touching. But adding him adds, like, some credibility to the show, I guess, is what I'm looking for.
1: Yeah, yeah, or at least um sort of a, an entry point for old school fans. Yeah. Like if if it seems all too strange and weird and different, at least you've got Sarek there to to be a, an entry point.
0: So he's being played uh, who is this guy? Um James Frain. James Frane. So He's most recently on Gotham. He's done yeah. a bunch of other stuff, but Gotham, I guess, is his thing right now. Yeah, so. he was an
1: agent Carter. That that uh, I remember him on that. He was in Twenty Four many years ago. But he's the mm-hmm. sort of guy where you don't know the name, but when you see him, you're like, oh, that guy. Oh,
0: that guy. I mean, maybe not when he's wearing Vulcan ears and eyebrows, but maybe, maybe. Um, so yeah, that he feel. I feel like in a way, he's going to represent. Like the Star Trek fanatics' audience's perspective to this show. Mm. I mean, and Sarek is always kind of outside. He's not really a member of the crew. He's sort of, he's always sort of judging them, whichever crew it is. Um, But that, creating that continuity to what we know as Star Trek right now, I think is a really cool decision. Now, probably not tied to that casting, but all the news (laughs) that came out at the same time is that the show no longer has a release date.
1: It went from being released in January to being delayed to May, and now they've just taken off a release date at all. Now, you think this is bad news? I suspect
0: this is bad news. I understand that there's an argument for either side. Right. Like, what CBS is saying is that, well, this is the advantage of an online like web series. We're not tied to release windows. You know, we don't always have to start the season at the same time every other show. We can start it whenever we want.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I'm sure it pain them to have to do this. You don't want to set a release date and then have to change it. Like, that doesn't look good. It makes people worry. But I will take that over something like Suicide Squad, where they had a release date, and whether they had a script, whether they were <laughs> yeah. actually ready to go, they had to be finished the movie by that release yeah. date. They
0: didn't, and they weren't.
1: And they weren't, yeah. yeah. So I would have waited an extra year if they could have done a good
0: Suicide Squad movie. If uh, If only. Um, no, so that yeah, so it sounds like a very mature way to look at it. <laughs> but on the other hand, stuff behind the scenes for Discovery just—it's it, everything sounds weird. Like the thing we've talked about this before because we're always talking about Star Trek. Yes. But the thing with the like it being online on this streaming service is weird. Losing their showrunner is weird. Some of the mumblings about the cast has been weird. Some of the casting
1: decisions have been weird. Like everything seems a little off center. I am still the eternal optimist in this debate. I'm uh, I'm excited from by what I've heard. Uh, I have been able to spin every bit of bad news into some sort of good perspective. Like losing the showrunner, he was already working on so many shows. I feel like this was only a matter of time. Like something had to give. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it was Star Trek, I'm disappointed that it was Star Trek that he gave up. But the showrunners now are people who he's worked with in the past, who he must trust, who he's got a relationship with. So I'm hopeful about that. And this, if it means that they get to fine-tune things, this delay, if it means a better show ultimately, I'll live with it.
0: I like that version. I want to live in the world where or your predictions... Come, come join me, Jesse. Yeah.
1: It's nice over here.
0: My prediction, very Garrick, you know, hope <laughs> for the best, expect the worst is that, like, this is a weird project, and I feel like it doesn't have a lot of confidence. Uh, you know, we had What's-His-Name from CBS, like, well, actually, science fiction doesn't do very well. It's like, well, I man, come on, you gotta, like, back your show! Back your show! You're part of the team! Like, if they're already hedging their bets, right. I'm real nervous. I mean, like at my worst, I wonder if we're ever actually gonna see this project, or if it's just gonna collapse. Or, I wonder, is it just an ash can? Like, are they just doing this to hang on to the license and try to promote their new streaming service? I
1: don't think so. I don't. You're f- so cynical. I think that's
0: the worst way of looking at it. But you know, when I'm when I'm up late at night, <laughs> at my worst, worrying about this show, I'm concerned. Um, but yes, we're hoping for the best. But for now, we have no idea when, if we will ever see the show. Happier news. <laughs> So, Nintendo Switch finally had... I mean, it had its big reveal, but over the past week, Nintendo had its big presentation. They're saying, here's what you're going to get, and when, and how, and why. And we could probably devote a whole show just to this. Um, A lot of the details, if you're looking for that sort of thing, are posted up on the site. I was essentially live blogging the notes (laughs) during the presentation, and then we followed up by linking the trailers. Uh, the short, short version, what you're going to get is everything we talked about the mobile console with the little controllers and the easy to play with people. It also, yes, it does have a touch screen. Yes, the controllers do all the stuff the Wii used to do. So you've got the motion controllers, those people, you know, like the tennis games, the mini games, that kind
1: of thing. So I feel like the controller, <laughs> these Joy-Con controllers, are the, the sort of the, the biggest learning curve, it sounds like. Well, the, the most different. Yeah, but it seem like the hardest to explain. I I hope once you've actually got your hands on them, it'll just be intuitive. But right now, it's like they click together and you can use them like that, or you can just hold them separately, or they connect to the... Yeah, there's a dozen different ways to
0: use them and different ways you will be using them for the games. Of which, you know, there are, like, there's not as many games launching with this thing as I would have expected.
1: No, I mean, there's only really one that's going to sell the console. Yeah,
0: it's launching with Legend of Zelda... With Breath of the Wild,
1: yeah, which with, is now going to be the first game for the Switch, and it sounds like the last game for the Wii U. Yeah, it's going
0: to be the yeah, a, a nice way to bridge between the two. Yeah, um, we've got what else do we've got? It's also launching the other game. Game they promoted was One Two Switch, which those of you who've bought Nintendo before will remember Wii Sports. Yeah, it's, where it's like it's a mini game collection designed to show off the features of the console.
1: Yeah, it's like a demo.
0: Yeah, so they showed like. There, there was, a, like, a Wild West shootout, you know, draw, boom. But instead yeah. of playing a video game, you literally, you pull the little Joy-Con controller and point it at the other person and yeah. press the button.
1: The, what I read is that it's, it's, there's not much happening on the screen, it's all sound-based, and the idea is you're interacting with other people rather than with the screen. Yeah,
0: you're not looking, like, the Switch is just there to run this game, but you're yeah. doing it all. It, it's the kind of thing that, when we saw that first trailer where they had all those hot millennials on a rooftop party. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's the thing they're going to be playing there. Right, um but we've only got in total five or s I think five or six launch games, which seems a little weak. Um, you know, the PS four launched with twelve games, including a lot of big titles like Call of Duty and FIFA. The Xbox One launched with twenty one games. Like it's as much you know, the library seems a little challenged. Yeah. Which was surprising. A lot of the, like they announced more games. There's a Mario game, there's Platoon two, Mario but Kart. Yeah, Mario Kart, a port and slightly improved version of Mario Kart, which yeah. yeah, I mean,
1: that sounds like what's happening with a lot of these. Like, like one of the games that they're launching with is Just Dance 2017. Yeah, that's a port. That's being really
0: released on all consoles. So, I mean, yeah. nothing special about that being on the Switch. Yeah. Um, so, folks are a little upset about that. Um, they're also a little bit upset with the price, which... There's two arguments to that. One is very informed, and one is not. Uh, the, the price of the console is... It's actually pretty good. Like, if you look at it just by inflation... Like it's being announced it was it's two it's two ninety nine ninety nine u s which makes it one of the cheapest consoles at launch of all time if the playstation 4 was launching at the, like t- today it would be four hundred and twelve dollars so, what do you like, get for your 300 bucks? For the 300 bucks, you get the console, you get the you know like the, the you get the tablet thing, you get the dock to put it in, you get two of those like the, the Joy-Con controllers. So,
1: I've been reading you get two of them. Does that just mean you get a left one and a yeah, right one? Yeah, you get one? one
0: left one and one right one. That
1: seems misleading to
0: and me. And if if I feel that way, too, except for the fact that those can support two-player games.
1: Some two-player Some games. two-player games.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, but you're not getting any games. Which is yeah. weird you usually bundles, and I'm sure there will be later on, and the and the accessories priced like if you want more accessories for this thing, that's where I think the price complaint really comes in. It's like if you want another set of Joy Cons and the thing to click them into that also charges them, that's 110 bucks. Yikes. If you want a Pro controller, like a more classic version of the controller, that's 70 bucks. Again, in American dollars, so it's even worse up here. Yeah, if you want another dock, which probably is rare. But like let's let let's say you like you want to dock it to more than one TV in your house. The dock is ninety dollars. Yeah, so and it's like come on. The dock is is, is an HDMI cable.
1: Yes, I, I mean fancy I, HDMI cable that that charges your system. But yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's like that's there's
0: no way that's ninety dollars. Uh, <laughs> like you can buy a good HDMI cable for fifteen bucks. Yeah. So on the whole, it, it sounds like it's doing pretty well. The GameStop is reporting like their pre-orders are sold out. And yeah. they're already looking to get more. Um, so people want it. Um, here at Geek Top 5, we decided to eh, give it some time.
1: We're still excited. I, at least I am. Like, it like a cool system. I'm
0: still excited. I want to play it. I want to play Zelda. I want to play the new Bomberman game. We used to play the heck out of Bomberman.
1: I have to say, in, in seeing the, the Bomberman game, the trailers for it, like... Uh, I, I would definitely play it, but I don't know if I would buy it. It looks well, and that's like what, more of
0: the same. And that's what I'm saying. That like There isn't that much that's like, I, I don't have to run out and buy it right away.
1: The new Mario game, from what we've seen in trailers and whatnot, looks interesting. It looks like a different sort of take, but similar enough that I would want to play it, but we don't have a release date for it's that.
0: It's holiday 2017. Like, it's not going to be It's going to be out to sell these things at Christmas. Right. Interesting choice. Yeah. Um. I mean, I again, like releasing Zelda gives you that first party thing. So they've got that. There's really a ton of little side games that are coming out over the course of the year. Once the library grows a bit, then we'll see about getting it. Once we pick one up, we'll obviously tell you what we think. But well, that might know, be a while. <laughs> but yeah. But if little Timmy in your house is demanding one right away, I, I think he'll be okay living without it. To be honest, it, it doesn't have that killer app. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't. There's feel no
1: Halo for it. There's no. Skyrim there's yeah. nothing that will there, make you immediately go out and get it there is the Zelda
0: yes. and it's also coming out for Wii U so well, if, if yeah. you're a Nintendo fan you've already got that and so you can buy Zelda for 60 bucks or you can buy a Switch and essentially you're buying Zelda for 400 bucks
1: right <laughs>
0: alright well on that note that uh, that's the news for this week we'll be right back with our next segment please stay tuned
1: Welcome back to the second half of Geek Top 5. This week, we're trying something new. We're doing like a geek in-depth, if you will. Uh, We're going to do just the two of us, uh, Jesse and Graham, as usual. Hello! And we're going to take a look at uh, replacing actors with CG. I don't know how else to phrase it.
0: Yeah. there's There's been a lot of these things that have come up on the show that we've talked about a little, but just weren't able to fit in. It's, like there's, it's so, so many thoughts, so complex. We wanted to take this opportunity to go more in depth. Obviously, the, the, you know, the spark that lit the fire this time around was in Rogue One.
1: Yeah. Grand Moff Tarkin, who originally played by Peter Cushing, who passed away in the 90s, uh, they brought the character back in... Uh, the third prequel movie, Revenge of the Sith. He had a can't breathe walk-on shot. And it was this weird guy with a bunch of clay on his face to make him look more like Peter Cushing. Whereas in Rogue One, when they brought him in, they had an actor who was there for the the shooting and everything, but then they replaced his head and I guess parts of his body digitally with Peter Cushing's face. And, you know, they also did the same at the end of the movie with Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia just for Mm -hmm. a... Fraction of a second, basically. But uh we wanted to talk about sort of the morality of that, I guess, the the ethics behind it, whether it makes sense to do, and you know, if we'll and, see it more in the future. And if it
0: can be done. Yeah. I mean, I've seen both sides of the argument on this. I know people who were it was super distracting and it was in such bad taste and it ruined the movie, and how dare they and I've had other conversations with people where it's wait, who is who is CG? but yeah. the, the 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 guy
1: in the white no not that, like 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 they had no idea it yeah. didn't
0: affect them at all
1: um just going uh back for a second to to where sort of the origins of this sort of stuff of replacing uh dead people uh one of the earliest examples and something that Sam Raimi kind of uh made famous is the idea of the fake shemp uh that's where the the the, the name comes from Shemp of the three Stooges he had a stroke while they were in the middle of filming a bunch of shorts. And couldn't be on set. And he was in the hospital. I think he eventually died. And there was no way he was going to be able to finish those shorts. But they were contractually obligated to. So there are a few scenes in late Three Stooges shorts where Shemp just doesn't face the camera. It's another guy who, and right. they refer to him as Shemp, but he's just, his face is behind a plant. Or there'll be a scene where he should be there. And Moe is like... Where'd Shemp go? And Larry says, Oh, didn't didn't you hear? He just went up uh, on top of the deck for a second or something. You know, just like they went out of their way to have to explain away why he wasn't there or have a stuntman standing in for him. And that's become sort of a standard, especially in Raimi movies, where if someone isn't available, they get a fake Shemp to stand in for him. Uh, So that that is like the starting point of of this, I think. Having a human stand in.
0: Which no one would bet an eye at. Yeah. Because it's real life and these things happen. Now, to be fair, this isn't the first time we've CG'd a dead actor. And I think that's what really is touching people in the funny spot right now. Yeah. Uh,
1: it, it's happened before. Usually it's in a situation where it can't be avoided. You know, someone dies during the Yeah, during, di- during and... the production. Yeah. Right?
0: This is Paul Walker in um, yeah. one of the Fasts. The Furious is the fe- Whatever they're called nowadays. If you can't handle me at my Fastest, you don't deserve me at my Furiousest. <laughs> um <laughs> Paul Walker died during production, and they sort of... What was it? They hired a brother and yeah. sort of
1: drew in over him? Something like that. Uh, they also did it with in, in Gladiator, and uh, Oliver Reed died during the filming of that, and they had to... And if you're looking for it, it's super distracting, but they sort of redid his face for a couple of scenes that he hadn't finished filming. Uh, so it's, it's not unheard of, but usually it's done only in these extreme situations. as a
0: reaction. In this, they made a very conscious decision. I mean, Tarkin is a very important part of the original Star Wars, and they're going to do this pre-Star Wars movie, they couldn't not have that character. But it seems like, you know, ten years ago, the decision would have been, let's cast someone who looks like him. Yeah. And we'll do what we can to make him look like And you would accept it. And we've accepted changes in actors before. Batman, James
1: Bond. I mean, it it happens all the time.
0: Man. Yeah, and even like I mean, in even those cases like James Bond can just be a different James Bond because. Of the but sometimes even in continuity, like I'm trying to, I'm thinking of of Rhodes of War Machine. It started with Terrence Howard in Iron yeah. Man was, and then in Iron Man Two, it wasn't Terrence Howard. Yeah, we got over it. Yeah, like it, it's not even addressed, it's just... Yeah, they just got a different actor yeah. to play the role. I mean, you know, Terrence Howard, apparently, like according to Scuttlebutt, he was just looking for too much money, and then he went crazy and decided to <laughs> invent his own form of math. Google <laughs> Teriology, if uh, you want a good afternoon, because, man. But yeah, they decided that they didn't want that person in the movies anymore. Switched him out. Yeah. So people are saying, well, why didn't they do that?
1: Why not just get somebody to play essentially to play Peter Cushing I mean they did that with Mon Mothma right like Mon Mothma was a, was a character played by an actress in uh, Return of the Jedi had you know one or two scenes there and then she's too old to do this sort of like flashback movie and they just cast a lookalike and a very good lookalike looks just like her mm-hmm. and that worked out fine nobody batted an eye at that that's just you know par for the course yeah
0: now, in terms of what, like where we are, the imp- and correct me if I'm wrong, I get the impression you're kind of gun-shy on CG, this sort
1: of CG actor, right? Yeah, I don't think it's... I don't know. It, it, it's not being done well enough yet that I think it, it should be used often. And it's also super expensive.
0: Yeah, that's a, definitely a concern. Um, for the record, for the purposes of this argument, I'm
1: actually kind of intrigued
0: by the idea of this. I mean, I like the thought of maybe we don't need actors at all one day. Um, but I understand that that provokes a very powerful response. And
1: it's like, at what point does it just all become Pixar movies? And, you know, I'm fine with Pixar movies. I like Pixar movies, but I, I do like a little variety. You know, is, is it, if it's the entire thing's going to be CG, then it becomes a different animal. You know what I mean? I do.
0: But I'm saying, like, let's try to break it down and find, like, where is that line? Like, so, like, so, you know, we're out of our line. On one side, there is a full, full full-featured cast of real human beings, or as close as Hollywood can approximate, (laughs) in a movie. And on the other side, there is, you know, Disney's Toy Story. Where is the line where mixing the two stops becoming okay? I mean, even, like, besides even the dead people we're talking about, sometimes you just have CG, like, CG characters who show up. A Benjamin Button. Remember, yeah. they, they digitally made Brad Pitt older. Was that
1: bad? Was that too much? No, um, but there's there's a lot of, I don't know, like Brad Pitt was involved in that, they they did motion capture on him, same thing with like Chris Evans in the first Captain America movie when they made him this scrawny little guy, and then, you know, they bulk him up later in the movie, but that was his head on someone else's body, and it's all oh, CG I, I would argue
0: that's a, a special case, because that is very much the same character at the same age. I mean maybe Benjamin Button is too. Well let's okay so let's do Tron Legacy. Okay. Okay, Jeff Bridges I mean throughout the movie they have like the younger version of himself which is kind of okay because they hide it behind but at the start of that movie he's sitting on his son's bed. Yeah, and he—I mean—and—and and you're right, and especially in that case, that was a case where just they weren't—the technology wasn't there yet, and it looked weird.
1: It, very similarly, I think, of X Men Three, where uh, oh, young
0: Patrick Stewart,
1: yeah, and young Ian McKellen—they looked so creepy, like poor, free monsters. <laughs>
0: so, is part of the issue just that the technology isn't there yet?
1: I think like, it has to get to a point where, well, uh, I think it's going to be hard, especially for you and I who are aware of a lot of this behind-the-scenes stuff. And, and a lot of people who, geeks who who get into the nitty-gritty of these movies as they get made, we're always going to be aware of when something is, is a CG thing. Because we'll have read about it before it even happens. Like, we had a pretty good idea that Tarkin
0: was... I had an idea that Tarkin... I went into this movie saying, why isn't Tarkin in this movie? Why do they have this Krennic guy? Okay. And then they show the shot where Krennic is, like, walking to the hall, and we see Tarkin's face reflected on the window. Yeah. And I thought, oh, okay, that's a clever way to put Tarkin in the movie. We know he's there. It would have been the same thing, like, if they had had him come up in a hologram. Right. But then he turns around, and he's talking at this other person. And, yeah, I thought, oh, they drew Peter Cushing. Yeah. But I, I liked it. Like, I thought that was really neat. Whereas other people's reactions were, how
1: dare you? <laughs> I didn't feel like, how dare you? Uh, at least not at first. But it did take me out of the movie. You know, I'm aware that Peter Cushing is dead. And and I could just see all the CG puppetry going on on it. And it it took me out of the movie. I was able to get back into it. But, I, you know, for a few minutes there, I completely lost track of what they were talking about. And I was just, like, looking at the face and trying to figure out how they did it. And it, I think... That's a problem, but I mean,
0: why did it take you out of the movie? I mean, I, I mean, but I mean, in this case, I guess it was the shock value. Yeah. Like, Oh, look what they did! But like, it didn't take me out of the movie you know, when somebody uses a force power like when ray calls a lightsaber to it, it's like daisy ridley can't actually telekinetically move objects
1: with her mind that's that takes like yeah but it's like this wasn't it's not like watto in in um or jar jar let's say jar jar where that character has been cg from day 1 he's always going to be cg uh, and and that's just how he is with this there was a real actor who did a real performance and that that performance takes place You know, hours after Rogue (laughs) One, and it's it's just it's the uncanny valley. You know, Mm -hmm. it's I'm expecting him to look a certain way, and he's so close as to be almost seamless, but not enough that it's not distracting. So, if it was perfect,
0: like based on what we're looking at, like this was like this latest attempt was close. Yeah. So, say ten years from now, if they do something like that, and it is just photorealistic. Then are your concerns out the way? Like that, eh, whatever, do it.
1: No, because you know. Then where do you draw the line? Like, like, do you just? Is there a point in in finding new? young actors to to make into movie stars if you just can recycle Marlon Brando and Humphrey Bogart? Right.
0: See, that's what that's where I get, like, the anarchists. All right? Like, I'm rubbing my hands together. You can't see it on the podcast. But, yeah. like, maybe we don't need actors anymore. Maybe we don't need to pay them millions of dollars to give themselves little golden trophies. <laughs> you know, well, like, like, that's my, my secret, like, anarchist fantasy. <laughs> and I, plus... I would love to see a movie with Marlon Brando and Peter Cushing and John Candy and like like let's get let's do a best let's make it. Oh the... man, I don't know if I want to see that movie. <laughs> no, make, make it like The Expendables, but instead of action heroes, it's just our favorite actors, our favorite
1: dead people, all <laughs> our favorite
0: dead actors all together for the ultimate movie. Like that sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. I mean, I get... Like
1: it sounds fun as a one off, but if that becomes the norm, then I think there's.
0: Well, and and the other side of the argument is that, like, we've been... A- like, acting is a thing that we do, like, as a yeah. species. We've been doing it since, you know, we were monkeys. And obviously people would still prefer to enjoy that performance art. But I really see this as an interesting way to sort of, like, take the foundations out from under the culture of celebrity worship.
1: I don't know, though. Isn't it just... Isn't I mean, it... Yeah, it turns
0: into idolatry, I guess. Yeah, it just <laughs> it, it adds a new layer to it. It yeah. just
1: becomes... They become, like, there's... Now there's only 25 actors, and they're all CG constructs, and we just insert them, and there's no new faces, there's no new anything. But
0: until you want a new one. And you're like, I want an actor who has, like, Chris Pine's build, but John Candy's, like, you know, delivery and sense of humor. Why John Candy? I miss John Candy. <laughs> all right? But you know what I'm saying? I mean, <clears throat> that's dangerous territory, because what's going to happen, like, Assuming that this dystopian future I'm proposing <laughs> comes to pass that what well, that's going to happen with female celebrities is it's going to be let's draw. The hottest, you know, most sexually appealing female actress we can possibly—way beyond anything any normal human being could accomplish—and cast her in all these roles as like the sexy super spy or the sexy. it Doesn't matter. It's all just
1: all oh, the sexy, sexy, Everything the sexy, sexy. sexy, sexy. Yeah. yeah. So
0: that's that. that that's uh, that, that, That's a dystopian future.
1: I actually watched in researching this. I actually watched a trailer for a movie that I'd never actually heard of called uh, the Congress. And it stars Robin Wright, who she plays herself. She was the, the Princess Buttercup in um, Princess Bride. That's what she's most of oh, known for. Okay. Uh, and she's also on House of Cards. That's what, you know... That's people, what she's doing now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what people plugged in know her from. But, uh, so it's a movie where she uh, is, is playing herself. She's an aging actress. So she goes to this thing and they they just take pictures of her. It's like this, this 360 degree thing. Filming her from all angles, getting close-ups, wide shots, all these different expressions. She's in this this thing, and every position you can imagine, she, she puts herself in. So it's all digitally compiled. And oh. so there's this this CG version of her. She never has to work again. They're always just going to use this CG construct of her to... to- perform. It sounds pretty
0: good to me. If they could do that, if they could program that CG construct to, you know, maintain databases.
1: (laughs) That's great! It's interesting, but I don't know. It it, takes away choice, right? Like, now they can just have that version of her do whatever they want, and there's no there's no, nothing for her to to add her opinion to to how the movie gets made, or what Mm. her character would do. It's all gonna be what the director says. It's like, you know, it seems like George Lucas's fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anyway, he had this notorious thing where he was—he's definitely not an actor's director. No, his only direction—the cliche is, what is it? Faster and more intense. intense so yeah. that was his like only direction. And then I remember watching behind-the-scenes stuff for the prequel movies, where you know he, they would shoot a scene and it would be two actors talking with each other and they're on opposite sides of the frame and if he liked one actor's performance in one take and another actor's performance in another, he would just splice the two takes together, and, you know, there'd be this seamless line between them. And while that's handy for a director and it might make a movie better, it loses a certain... I don't know, it just... It, it loses a certain reality. I yeah. think.
0: No, and you know, and and George Lucas's movies, you can definitely see this. There are a lot of points, especially in the prequels, where the actors are very clearly talking to a blank wall. Yeah, and you can tell from the from the performance. Like the performance is stilted. Yes, yeah. it just it, it doesn't. Like, it just feels wrong. Okay, so we've ruled out replacing actors entirely. Like we both agree, that's just like it, it doesn't work. Yeah, something about not having that human connections out. We've come to terms with filling in for if an actor is not available.
1: There's there's something interesting there about at least they have to get someone's permission before they start doing this. Yeah, that now. but see, but
0: that's interesting. Like the image of Grand Moff Tarkin is that the same image? Is that the image of Peter Cushing? Yes. Right. Like does print like Princess Leia is that does that belong to Carrie Fisher or does that belong to Lucasfilm?
1: See, I think Carrie Fisher's face belongs to Carrie Fisher. Peter Cushing's face belongs to to him it's like you know if they had when when sean connery left james bond if they just hired people and put sean connery masks on them that would have been a problem right. for a lot of reasons it would have looked ridiculous but right. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's the same character but it's a different actor who gives a different performance makes it a, a different thing hmm. you know
0: so that's why like you know when they have a different voice actress do the voice of princess leia on the cartoons nobody's suing about that Yeah. I mean, because that character is drawn to look like how she looked in Star Wars in 1977. Yeah. But making it a cartoon is, like, different enough?
1: I guess so. Right, like, that's
0: a real gray, like, I mean, Tarkin shows up in the Clone Wars cartoons, too. Like, you know, younger, he's Admiral Tarkin at that point. And he's got, and it's not, the voice actor is not Peter Cushing, but he gives the same, he has the same imperial accent, and he's kind of, you know, he's kind of a bad guy. But There's I a lot bet... of foreshadowing because he's hanging out with Anakin, and they're both yeah. like, "Yes, evil would be a much easier way to," <laughs> you know, but no one minds
1: that. But I bet there there was something to do with image rights related to that because I'm thinking of some of the uh, James Bond video games, like uh, GoldenEye. Not even GoldenEye, like GoldenEye. I think Pierce Brosnan gave them permission. His face is on the cover and stuff. But some of the the later sequels that came out. Where Pierce Brosnan didn't give the permission, or Daniel Craig didn't, and it's just some sort of generic guy, and it's it's still James Bond though. Mm. But it doesn't. They they aren't allowed to make him look like Pierce Brosnan yeah. and now, Daniel Craig. No, but
0: James Bond, we can do that because James Bond is an, a different guy in different time periods. You know, the people who try desperately to make it all shared talk about how James Bond is just a code name that gets applied from agent to agent.
1: I kind of love that theory.
0: I, I me too. But Princess Leia will always be Princess Leia. Yeah, and Carrie Fisher isn't around to play her anymore. But she's still going to be around. There's still going to be books written about her, and comic books that she's in, and video games that she's in. And so, if they want to do something new with Princess Leia, they're like, they're going to have to cast someone new, or they're going to have to draw Carrie Fisher on top of them. Yeah. So, like, why and is it why? And like, we've done alternate casting before. Why is that okay? I I would say it's because the character. Like, belongs to... The, in this case, belongs to Lucasfilm. It belongs to the origins oh, of the story. Yeah, Disney.
1: <laughs> Jeez. So I think that's kind of a gray area. I mean... But the thing is, with this, now that they've they've set the precedent with Grand Moff Tarkin of, of just making a CG character that looks exactly like the previous actor, it's taken some options off the table, don't you think? Don't you think that now they're... They're obligated to do that with other characters if someone dies?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: No? I mean, the fact of the matter, like, we talked about, like, Tarkin, like, the
0: Tarkin who shows up very briefly in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. like um, We see him sort of in profile in a wide shot, and he walks off. But I've seen a shot that was taken, like, his head shot yeah. from that movie. And, yeah, he doesn't look that much like Peter Cushing, but from, like, the really angular face. and I, I can tell it's supposed to be Tarkin.
1: I have to say, anytime I've seen a picture of that guy... It looks ridiculous to me. I can, I mean, I can recognize that that
0: character is supposed to be Tarkin. I I mean, I imagine he was only a walk-on, so I'm sure they didn't go as far as they could. Yeah. But if they found another actor to do that, I would be okay with that.
1: Yeah. Um, There is something especially unique about Peter Cushing's head that is going to be hard to replace. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: But it's, I... It doesn't take me out of anything to say, okay, yes, this person is playing the role of this character.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It helps... When you're sort of prepared for it ahead of time, it's like when they replace Bond or Batman, it's always a huge deal, and you always know about True. it years before the movie comes out. So you've had
0: time to like to reconcile yourself, yeah. and to come to terms. Yeah, is
1: there like a stages of acceptance for moving from one Batman to another? <laughs> yeah, we all went through a lot of denial when Ben Affleck was cast, and then we reached acceptance. No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It's that gray
0: area that's interesting to me. I mean, so like total replication, full out. Like, like we're not we're not doing that. We still need actors. Yeah, a little disappointing to me, but okay. Um, the little touch ups here and there, we've grown to live with because that's happening anyway. I mean, even before there was CG, there were body doubles. Mm-hmm. Like that happens a lot, and we and nowadays we sometimes we see the body double with the head pasted on. And there was that outcry from Game of Thrones with Lena Headey.
1: Yeah, that right. didn't look great. Yeah,
0: it wasn't it wasn't so good. It could have been done a lot better. Yeah. Um,
1: so, um, I want to talk to you about Andy Circus. Okay, I mean that sounds fun. So Andy Circus is he's an actor, and I'm sure uh, when he started his career, he wanted to be you know have his face known around the world. Now he is best known for. Being a motion capture artist, as they say. Sure. He's Gollum. He was King Kong, I believe. And he is best known these days for playing Caesar in the Planet of the Apes movies. The main ape. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, that's a similar situation that we've got here. It's a person. He's He performs on the set. But his entire body and face are redone digitally after filming is over.
0: But that's the opposite, right? Like, they're, I mean, in this case, they're not using his image without his permission. So he's sort of uh, the understanding that they're not using his image at all. Yeah. Like, there isn't a real ape out there going, wait a minute, that's, that's <laughs> not how that, I never signed so up for Take that.
1: my job! <laughs>
0: this is the next Planet of the Apes movie? It's yeah. Like, it's him suing the Screen Actors yeah. Guild?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Planet um, Hollywood of the Apes. No, I mean, if you're doing fantastical creatures, I don't think that's the same argument at all. I think that's completely different. Honestly, I think that's a little oversold. Like Smaug in the Hobbit movies, they have that behind the scenes with Benedict Cumberbatch crawling around on all fours. Like, yeah. That's not necessary. Yeah. You guys are just, just don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 if, if you're going to turn you into a dragon or a monkey or whatever, that's completely different to me. That's that's just building in this fantasy element. I am 100% behind that and I'm not going to be budged. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I do think that's it, for the most part it's fine. It, it is in that same conversation though of of where do you draw the line? Like there are entire scenes in those Planet of the Apes movies, the recent ones, where it's just CG characters talking to each other or you know aping well, with each yeah. other. Uh-huh. A- yeah, aping. Okay, <laughs> no, but I
0: mean, look at Maz Kanata. Yeah, um, Lupita. I can never pronounce her last name. Nyongo. Nyongo pr- uh, plays her. And doesn't look anything like her because it's an alien yeah. it? and it's a Yoda sized alien like there's nothing to connect that image to that actress um the pres- like the character that's pr- like the voice and the inflections and all that stuff that's all serious acting and that and we're rewarded for that because that character was great, and that's obviously because of her, but it has nothing to do with her image, or yeah. what she looks like at all if you're doing crazy characters. That's complete. I'm, I'm 100% on board. All right. If they took someone else and drew Lupita's face on her... Yeah. That's, that wouldn't have been a little... That's a little strange. Why don't you just actually hire that person?
1: But, <laughs> it's um, when you steal someone's face and put it on someone else's uh, performance that it gets dicey. Right? <sighs> Yeah, I suppose... I mean, again, it's kind of a gray I guess, area. I guess if, steel is a loaded word. Steel is... Yeah,
0: it, it's kind of a leading question. Um, <laughs> but if you have this character who's integral to the plot, and someone's not around to make to make you know make the shot, I mean, traditionally we work around it, and we accept that. That's, that's Blade 3 in a nutshell. Right. Is, that entire movie was Ryan Reynolds trying to pretend Wesley Snipes was on set right. when he wasn't. <laughs> so if they could have just drawn Wesley Snipes in... I mean why, I mean you know Wesley Snipes said he would play that role he couldn't so they did the best they like why not and that's where it's interesting I mean obviously what we've gotten so far is that I'm more okay with these cartoons taking the place of actors than you are but yeah if you have to go through all these hoops to justify where this character is because you're worried it's going to break the audience's immersion if you can fill that in and yes I agree with you the technology's not quite there yet and, from what I understand, it's still more expensive to draw a character in than it is to hire an actor. Yeah. Which, it won't be for long, because the technology is getting better, and actor salaries are going up. So that's not going to be, like, soon it's going to be cheaper to just say, you know what, she wants, She doesn't want to come out of her trailer, we'll just draw her in. And I'm okay with that. If I was an actor, I wouldn't be. <laughs> But as an audience member, I'm willing to accept that, even where we are now, if it's the quality of what we saw in Rogue One, I'm okay seeing the CG thing. The ethical side of it, is it okay to use the image of someone who's deceased, is tricky.
1: I mean, at this point, they have to get permission either from the person's family or the estate. They
0: went to Peter Cushing's estate, they said, can we do
1: this? And they said, yeah, that'd be fine. And, I mean, presumably the estate is the people who care most about them, but... Then there's other things where it's like, I think... They probably offered
0: the estate a wheelbarrow full of money. Like, yeah, <laughs> to... and then
1: there are places like, like, I think you can sell image rights to companies, and then they'll manage it, and the, the company isn't going to have the person's best interest in mind, necessarily.
0: Almost certainly, let's be honest. Yeah. <sighs> all right, so let's... we got to wrap up. We're running out of time. But on that line we described, let's figure out... So on the one side, all human, all the time. Right? Like Like the Empire... <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, CG movie. Um Square Enix Pixar, where are we setting the line?
1: I mean, if it were up
0: to me, I would It's up to you. Ah. In this in this universe where Graham's in charge,
1: is it uh, that's, I mean, a, it's a, I have so many questions though, like... Well,
0: let, I, I mean, put it this way, so yeah. if, if you reverse the question, is Jesse's world talking about Jesse's world? <laughs> On that line, I'm pretty close to the cartoon side of things. I am totally comfortable watching cartoon characters instead of actors up to the point that I think a human being can still put forward a better presentation, can act better than a CG character can. And I don't think that will ever change. So we're still going to need people. But if those people are acting against computer-generated characters for any reason... I'm okay with that. So I'm pretty close to that side of the line.
1: And I'm probably closer to the other side where I would rather see human beings performing and getting paid and, and giving uh, a, a proper performance for good or ill as as often as possible. You know, there are exceptions where, you know, you've got to have a CG character like Jar Jar Binks if that's what you need to do. Well, I don't think anyone needs need, yeah. Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, but... but it, with that in mind, that, uh, you know, within reason, I would like to see human characters. Okay. We will have to agree to disagree. So, uh, if you want to let us know where we went wrong on this or how right we are, there are a bunch of places you can reach us.
0: Preferably the latter, but we'll accept <laughs> the former.
1: The best way is uh, probably on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash geek top five. We can also be reached on Twitter at geek top five. We're also on Gmail geektop5 at gmail.com we also have a website which has little message boards under each episode so you can also catch us there
0: please let us know what you think we'd love to hear from you whether it's about the show or just what you think about the CG characters Okay, you've been listening to Geek Top 5 I'm Jesse I'm Graham and you're the listener we're doing this all for you big special thanks to our crew who help us put this all together to Stella Simeonova and Ben Sound bensound.com And we will be back to talk to you again in just another couple of weeks. In the meantime, thanks very much. Talk to you
1: again soon.